It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Now we'll get to some of your emails, the B at gmail.com. We also have a way where you can leave us voicemails. Let me see if I remember the number. Okay. Seven? It starts with a seven? Yes. Three? No. Damn it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, what's the number in case anyone wants to leave a voicemail to the Rico? 725-222. That should be easy. Right. And then you remember the last one, right? The last four? It was something Met-related. 99-8699. There you go. We won the World Series in 86, and 99, we should have been there. All right, 725-222-8699 if you want to leave a voicemail. Let us listen to voicemail number one. Hey, Evan and Pete, this is Azim. Thanks for setting up the voicemail. Makes it a lot easier than sending an email. Well, to me at least. Uh, So my biggest worry regarding Kodai is the fact that we know his elbow was not in great shape when he signs a deal. If you go and look at his contract terms, there's a specific clause written into it that says if he misses, I think, 130 consecutive days or something because of an elbow or arm injury, the Mets gain an additional option for 2028 at $15 So I'm thinking that something must have popped up on his physical before the deal was done that made the Mets think that, hey, there's a chance he could need Tommy John surgery, so we better get some protection written into it, which they clearly did. So it doesn't exactly put me at ease that something's barking with his arm when it's possible that he's already had some pre-existing elbow conditions. So I'm hoping that it's nothing, but I would say that it's a little bit more worrisome that it's happening to him versus someone else anyways thanks guys love the podcast and what's the next episode bye um so when the medicals had questions john Heyman was the one reporting that that there were some issues with his medicals they never got specific there was never a story that said it was an elbow concern all that came out was Maybe there was overall concern with the fact that he threw a ton of innings. Like he ended up throwing 1,340 innings over in Japan. And that's a lot of innings over the course of his major league career. You go year by year, he mostly makes every start. Like he hasn't had years in which he's only made five starts or 10 starts or 15 starts. So we don't know if it was an elbow concern. Just because it was in the contract, it may have just been, hey, let's protect ourselves. You know, we know an elbow injury could derail a guy's career for a year and a half. So let's put that in there just in general. So I don't know if they necessarily think he has an elbow issue because those reports have never come out. Like, what about the medicals concern the Mets? Was it just a general, hey, he's throwing a lot of innings. There's probably a lot of wear and tear. 
that it was a general concern. As far as his contract's concerned, because I know there's been a lot of talk of, hey, th this could be a positive because Kodai Senga has an opt-out after his third year that he cannot use if he doesn't eclipse 400 innings over the first three years of his career. Last year, he threw 166, so he's certainly ahead of the pace. He only has to throw, on average, about 118 innings this year and next year to get to that number, and then he could opt out. Look, the Mets are owned by a billionaire, right? I know sometimes we forget that because this has not been a billionaire offseason. This hasn't been a spend-whatever kind of offseason. But I would rather the guy just freaking pitch. You know what I mean? Like, I want to win games this season as a fan. I want to win games next season as a fan. I don't really care about opt-outs and what it may not cost Steve Cohen. Because at the end of the day, if Kodai Senga is great this season and he pitches and he's good next season and he pitches and he opts out, they better pay him. But it also means the Mets had a better chance to have success. You know, it's like the, the comment Cohen made the other day to Howie Rose when he said, I hope Pete Alonzo hits 55 home runs and makes my job difficult. Well, yeah, because if he hits 55 home runs, there's a really good chance that that translates into some wins for us. And isn't that what we're here for? Aren't we here to see our team win? So, look, my concern for Sanger remains the same. What's written in that contract doesn't change my concern. Let us listen to another voicemail while we're here. I just can't take it anymore. Every year, it's got to be something new. Can't even enjoy the first week of spring training without some disaster striking us and getting laughed at in every group chat I'm in. Ah, what are we going to do, Evan? And I swear to Christ, if I have to watch Tyler McGill go four and one-third every fifth day and destroy the entire bullpen by the time June rolls around, I'm going to have to stop watching this team for good. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know what we did, though. You're right, because I guess Met fans, we have now had, think about the amount of spring training starting pitching injuries well, and, and relievers. Obviously, we can't forget Edwin last year that we've had to deal with before the season even starts. 2021, Carlos Carrasco. Remember that one? Carlos Carrasco, big key to the Francisco Lindor trade, innings eater, solid middle of the rotation arm, has his hamstring explode in the middle of spring training. And it started slow. Remember, he had like a little bit of an elbow issue, had a setback. Now he's pitching, and then his hamstring just like explodes into a million pieces. We don't see him till July 30th. And then he sucked. You know, that, then we saw him and it was like, whoa, what did we miss? Obviously, ended up having a good 2022, but his initial impression to us was not good. That was 2021. 2022, we get the Jake stuff. We think we're going to have the Grom and Scherzer. One, two. This is going to be amazing. And we miss Jacob DeGrom for the first half of the entire 2022 season. And then last year, boy, we got hit over the head three times. The Edwin Diaz celebration. Jose Quintana gets hurt after, what was it, one or two spring training starts. And like we talked about earlier, we don't see him until the middle of July. Season's out of control. And then Verlander on opening day. That was a late hit. So we get early hits. We get middle hits. We get late hits. I don't get it, man. Like, we could do a whole podcast trying to figure out what God we offended as Met fans to get screwed every single season. 
I don't have the answer. It sucks. Let me just say this, though, about McGill. My confidence, sorry, my confidence around this team and why I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think is based on an offense that's going to be a lot better than people think. If they can get those mediocre Tyler McGill performances, I know it sounds frustrating and it sounds horrible, but on nights where your offense hits, and if this bullpen is going to be as deep as I think it can be, it may not kill us. Those performances we may look at differently. I've always said this about baseball, and this is why wins and losses with pitchers is the stupidest thing ever. Sometimes you view a start based on how good your offense is. So let me walk you through this, because last year the Met offense was not good. So in a lot of Tyler McGill's four and two-thirds, three-run performances, he'd leave and we'd be down three to one. Let's say this year, when he battles into the fifth inning throwing 105 pitches, and he leaves at four and two-thirds innings, three runs, what if we're up 5-3? You know what I mean? Like, Not that it's an amazing performance, but you feel differently about it. And that's going to be the key to this whole season. They've got to hit. They've got to hit. Brett Beatty needs to become a man this year. Francisco Alvarez needs to build off the hotness from the months where he hit last year. And yeah, you need the reliability out of Pete and Francisco, and you need bounce back years out of McNeil and Marte. If you don't think that's going to happen, then you're right. This team won't be good. I'll admit they won't be good. But if those things happen and they can hit and they can be a top three National League offense, then they can win games sometimes where they get those mediocre McGill performances. Let's hear another voicemail. Rico Bronia. First, I'd like to thank you. Uh, I heard my voice message on the last pod of my worry about Kota Sango. And it turns out I was correct. And we are the Mets, and we will always be the Mets. But I have a question for you, but instead of complaining about the house being on fire. I don't understand these compensation picks that are attached to certain players. Like, how come if we sign Blake Snell, we have to lose a pick, but if we sign other players, we do not? Um, I tried reading about this online. I couldn't get an, an understanding of an answer. Like, you lose international money and a draft lottery pick, I, I believe. I don't know. Can you explain that to me? Uh, and can you also explain to me why the Mets are not signing Montgomery, please? Thank you. Well, let's start with the difficult one. I don't know why they're not interested in Jordan Montgomery. You know, David Stearns actually popped on the broadcast on Sunday and was asked about, hey, you know, big ticket items, Mets fans want to know, why have they not been involved in any outside of Yamamoto? And the way David Stearns framed it was, there are going to be certain big ticket items that make a lot of sense that we will be involved in and others that don't. And so my follow-up would be, even though we can't really answer it, why are you not interested in Jordan Montgomery? Now, maybe Scott Boris is asking for way too much. If that's the answer, okay, fine. He probably is. But Montgomery feels like an item, and I don't know if I'd even call it like a big, big ticket. It's a big ticket. It's not a big, big ticket. He makes so much sense on a short-term level and a long-term level. So I don't understand it. It has perplexed me this entire offseason because he's one of the guys that would fit this team moving forward very, very well. For whatever reason, they don't have an interest. As far as the draft pick compensation, uh, some players, not all, and in Jordan Montgomery's case, it was because he was traded at the trade deadline, are offered a qualifying offer. 
And if the player rejects the qualifying offer, which they normally do, there is a draft pick attached to them. So anybody that signs Blake Snell would lose a pick. Because of where the Mets are in the luxury tax, there are penalties for spending as much money as they spent. We learned that in the draft when they got bounced back all those draft slots. The other negative that they have is they'd have to give up multiple draft picks. So if the Mets signed Blake Snell because he rejected the qualifying offer and because of where the Mets are in the tax penalty, they would actually give up their second and fifth draft pick in this upcoming draft, plus a million dollars in international bonus money. That is why signing a free agent that rejects the qualifying offer is less appealing than just signing a free agent that doesn't have one attached. And correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure somebody will, B at gmail.com. I don't think the Mets have signed anybody who's rejected the qualifying offer in years. Certainly in the Steve Cohen era. In fact, the Mets have been very, very consistent. This is why it annoys me when I hear they don't have a plan. They have a clear plan. It's an obvious plan. And by the way, their plan was similar even when they were signing Verlander and Scherzer. And that was, we'll spend a lot of money. We're going to try to win now, but we won't affect our future. We won't trade prospects and we won't give up the draft capital that it takes to sign certain free agents. There has been one trade, one, that this Met franchise made in the Cohen era that they clearly regretted because they gave up a premium prospect, and that was the Javi Baez trade. And they trade Pete Crow Armstrong, who's one of the top prospects in baseball, and we'll see what he turns into at the major league level. Outside of that, they have not traded top prospects, which I know annoyed us two years ago when they ended up settling for Daniel Vogelback, Darren Ruff, and Michael Givens. I'm not saying it always works out well, but they don't trade top prospects and they don't sign free agents who have the qualifying offer attached to them. Max Scherzer didn't have it. Justin Verlander didn't have it. Starling Marte, I don't think had it. I'm telling you, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've signed any free agents that have had the qualifying offer attached to them. That's why the Blake Snell thing has never been realistic. And I don't blame them. But that's why Blake Snell was offered the qualifying offer. He rejected it. There are certain players, you know, when you're traded at the trade deadline, you no longer have that. So I'll give you a specific example with us. The Mets will offer Pete Alonzo the qualifying offer. If he takes it, no, he won't. They bring him back one year for some absurd amount of money, $25 million, whatever it is. He's not going to take it. He's going to reject it. When he rejects it, the protection the Mets have is that if Pete Alonso leaves as a free agent, they will get draft compensation. Now, let's say the Mets trade Pete Alonso, which they won't, and I'd be I'd be rioting if they did. But let's say they trade. That team wouldn't be able to offer Alonso the qualifying offer. So one of the negatives, and it's a part of why I don't think Pete Alonso has as much trade value as some think, it's not like the team that rents him can say, well, we'll get a draft pick. You don't get anything. So that's the difference between Jordan Montgomery and Bill Lake Snow.